The phrase digital transformation is seemingly everywhere right now, and while it's easy to get swept along with the noise, how on earth do businesses go about truly embracing digital? I'm Steve Dunn from Workday, and today on the Workday podcast, we'll learn more about how one organization transformed HR, redefining its technology and culture to support a rapidly changing business model. We're joined by Becky Woodmansey, HR Director of Whitbread, who in her role is responsible for overall organizational strategy and a leading technology-enabled workforce transformation. Hi, Becky. Welcome. Hi. Good to be here. Yeah, if we could just start, Becky, by asking a little bit about your role at Whitbread and what the company does for some of our listeners that maybe don't know what you do. Yeah, of course. So my job is um, HR Transformation and Shared Services Director at Whitbread. Um, I'll come on a little bit in a minute to what that job involves. Um, And Whitbread as as an organisation is much better known by its high street brands. So um, Premier Inn, which is um, a hotel chain, um, and also Costa Coffee, which is a coffee chain, as the name suggests. Costa is the second largest um, coffee shop in the world um, and uh, Premier Inn sort of growing quite rapidly internationally as well. And in terms of um, HR Transformation Director, I joined Whitbread two years ago and have been brought in to um, move us from a series of sort of legacy systems that we had and quite sort of old-fashioned technology, old-fashioned processes, um, and, and move us sort of forward so that we've got a much more engaging offering for our, our colleagues. So I know that Whitbread is an organisation with real global scale. How do you start to think about the systems and processes that, that are agile enough to react to that change? Well, when we looked at a new technology um, provider for our HR technology, that that was one of the things that we were most keen to find. So um, what had happened at Whitbread is we'd gone through, um, we'd last bought um, HR technology about 12 years ago. Um, So it was a customised legacy system that I inherited. And what we were looking to to move to was a system that was much more agile and it was always the latest version of the technology because we'd got really sort of behind with the upgrades um, and uh, we we were really looking for something that would drive agility through always being on the latest version and also something that we could um, make sure we had the, um, the the different elements of what you need in an HR technology suite all sort of as much as possible under one roof rather than having a sort of best of breed system where what we were finding was the integration points between for example a resourcing system and your core HCM system and payroll um, though those integration points can actually sort of uh, really erode over time and, and not be that effective to you so that was quite important to us as well. A lot of the companies that we've been speaking to here this week they talk a lot about the risk for talent you know getting the right people in etc It's a bit of a jungle out there in terms of talent management. So how do you start thinking about how you win that battle for for the best talent? Yeah, it's it's really, really important to our kind of business. So uh, we we have um, over 50,000 employees and we're always hiring. Um, It's it's the nature of our sector. Um, So for us, it's really about being really focused on the the gaps that you have in your talent portfolio or really understanding how you will have quite a unique offering and, and attract a very specific workforce population to your organization Um, so rather than being scattered again getting really clear on where have you got gaps where do you need to find talent for your future strategy and then really focusing on what you need and not worrying too much about what everyone else is um, doing with their own talent strategy so for us we tend to focus on um, making sure that we have a proposition that appeals to everybody but we're particularly interested in attracting people who perhaps have had some kind of career break to come back to work or people who perhaps 
perhaps have um, had their career but would like to continue to work um, perhaps post normal retirement age or, or sort of in their later stages of their, their working life and, and we've got an offering that, that can kind of suit people who might be on their sort of second career as it were. Sure. Great. Um, and in terms of that, you know, how important is employee engagement at Whitbread and thinking about some of the mechanisms that you, you use to keep such a large, diverse workforce motivated and, and doing that job? So employee engagement for us is at the heart really of what we believe we need to um, have in order to be a great a great business serving our customers really, really well. So if you think about your experience, if you go um, into a hotel or into a coffee shop, what you're expecting is great customer service. And if you come across somebody who's clearly quite disengaged, then you're very unlikely to want to shop that product again. So from our point of view, employee engagement, massively important to us. In terms of how HR technology can help and workday specific can help us with that um, we're we're very keen on workday because it really puts control back in the employees hands so employees can do things for themselves it's really familiar very very similar to social media platforms for example that people are already used to working with so it doesn't have a sort of a fear factor for any of our workers who perhaps um, uh, you know are not that that familiar with technology might not use that much technology other than their own mobile phone it's a really accessible product mm-hmm. Um, and, and that helps us build employee engagement because people feel they're in control. They can do things as and when they want to in terms of, you know, updating their personal information or setting themselves some goals around what they'd like to achieve um, from their work. And then they can interact with it as much or as little as they wish to. OK, that's, that's really interesting. And kind of moving on from that, we talked a lot this year about the, the death of the annual review or however some people have positioned it. But... You know, how do you see the debate around continuous performance management versus that kind of once or, or twice a year feedback loop as it, as it exists? Oh, it is such a debate, isn't it? <laughs> and and we, we debate it as much as any other organisation. Um, I mean, where, where we've come out at the moment is that we think that um, for our organisation, having clear goals um, that we set for our whole organisation and then that each employee plays a part in is still going to be quite an important part of how we deliver um, value to our shareholders for the foreseeable future. I think what what we like about what Workday does is it removes the paper. It means that it can be a a real-time conversation between a line manager and an employee. They're not necessarily having to write every last detail of each of the goals or the progress towards each goal down, but they can have something that they can capture on the the phone or, or on the laptop as they're having the conversation, and then it's job done. So it's removing an administrative burden from both the employees and also from the, the line manager, but without going quite as far as entirely removing the, the annual appraisal. And actually what some organisations have found that, that um, were, were really at the forefront of removing um, the, the appraisal processes is actually that the performance review did have more of a motivating effect than they realised and actually it was quite employee-led in some cases to say actually I I would like some kind of recognition for my performance this year and particularly high performance which are obviously the people that you need to to develop more and more of within your organisation really do value that. So the debate goes on, we're part of that debate for sure but for now um, we think a technology-enabled performance and goal-setting process is what's right for our organisation. Sort of thinking on that path to the future then, we're, um, we're starting to see obviously machine learning and people are talking a lot around artificial intelligence, you know, they're slowly shifting into, into the workplace. What impact do you think technology will have on the future of work and, and more specifically uh, to the role of, of HR as well? 
Well, I think there's no doubt whatsoever that um, the future looks like one where a lot of sort of low-level tasks can be removed from roles. Um, and, and in the main, I think we would see that and I would see that as something that is, is potentially quite enriching because it means that the work that remains is more interesting work. Um, and in terms of um, robotics, for example, we, we can see some applications for that in, in all different aspects of our business. But we're also noticing that the technology itself is not necessarily ready yet to, to deploy in a very radical way. So I, th- I think what we will do is um, watch and see. And then naturally, as, as the things become more mainstream, we'll probably find that we'll then adopt those things, but probably more as a market follower than a market leader when it com- comes to AI. It's a big investment and therefore you really want to make sure that what you're doing is you're getting something that's really going to return properly for that investment yeah so there's still work to do absolutely (laughs) thinking about kind of the future in terms of um, talent and skills i know your wise program um, has brought uh, more than 2,000 apprentices through its through since it was in its inception Um, what are your views on the emerging workforce and how you keep them motivated and and with the company for, uh, for for the longer term well, again, for a business like ours, if I take our hotel business, Premier Inn, as an example, um, what what we want to be seen as is a place where there's really no barriers to entry and no limits to people's ambitions. So you can join a hotel um, and and be in a very you know um, entry level position, such as a housekeeping position, or perhaps a sort of you know in our restaurants business. And you can, through our apprenticeship scheme, you can have a structured career path which can take you reasonably rapidly through to hotel management positions. So it's a massive opportunity for us. I mean, we we were on the forefront before the apprenticeship levy was introduced in the UK in place anyway. The one thing that I think is, is important is that apprenticeships are seen not just as being for you know, people when they leave school, for example, yes, that absolutely is a critical way into into work and into a sort of meaningful career for people. But actually, they can apply to people at all sorts of different career points that they might have throughout their life and just be a great way of having an accelerated development to get onto the ladder, as it were, in a new profession. And, and hotels is a great example of that. I can't have a conversation with, uh, without mentioning digital transformation from, from an HR perspective. So <laughs> I know there are obviously a lot of organisations talking about digital transformation, but very few are actually getting on, on the road. As, as somebody, as an HR exec that has successfully navigated that digital minefield, um, can you give us some insight on, on how you go about making that journey real? Oh gosh, where do you start with a question like that? Um, I mean, in terms of the the actual building the business case for a transformation, I think you have to be really clear on how is this actually going to drive the bottom line of your business or how is it really going to um, you know, significantly increase engagement or significantly improve productivity. When I started out on this journey, I, I was actually new to the organisation and somewhat cynical about whether the transformation journey that we would need to go on really needed to be tested technology enabled or whether actually it was more about process simplification for example um, but actually in our case when I looked at it and I looked at the, the the length of time it was taking us to make change in our business uh, to keep up with changes that might be happening for example in our sector or opportunities commercial opportunities that we wanted to go after as a business actually there really was a sort of a drag effect that that not being able to to adapt our, our core HR system 
and quickly was was causing for our business. So so I think it, it's about being clear about what you really need to deliver and why, and and also being you know really holding true to that. So when you then start doing your business case, you have to keep coming back to when you're looking at these wonderful products such as Workday, you know, when you're in the sort of RFP phase is really being very um, sort of strict with yourself about is this really going to deliver what we are looking for? And and then that, that discipline probably continues throughout the journey. So as you then go into and, you know, later phases um, of your implementation, um, you know, you need to know your business, you need to understand what you're you're wanting to get out of it and therefore making sure you've actually got um, you know the right amount of time to deliver what you need to rather than sort of being too led by the SI partners or by Workday themselves in terms of your implementation timelines so you've just got to own the journey you've got to see it as being there um, to deliver for your business and therefore you need to have that confidence to um, to sort of hold true to why you were doing it in the first place um, which uh, when the going gets tough which inevitably it will with any technology transformation you need to have that at the heart of what you're doing. And finally, um, any advice for any organisations embarking on similar projects and thing, things that you would or maybe you wouldn't do again if you were moving towards that, that journey? I definitely think there's something about making sure that you set out with a very clear partnership with all of the organisations that are going to be involved in your change. So I set up something which was called our Executive Governance Group, which was made up of our payroll provider, Workday themselves, our SI partner, and uh, Whitbread as a business as well at a very senior executive level um, with the sort of uh, senior leadership of those organisations. And what that did for us was made sure that everybody was really clear on what the business case was, what we were looking to deliver. Um, and I definitely would advocate that, that other organisations consider sort of a similar approach in terms of just bringing together all the parties. Workday doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, it's going to be integrated with the rest of um, your, your business's IT infrastructure. Um, you will have other large systems providers, therefore, that this system might be speaking to or receiving information from. And so having that in mind as you, as you set out and really thinking about how you're going to make the, met, the best of it and optimise all of those systems together, I think is quite critical. In terms of things I wouldn't do again, I mean, certainly allow enough contingency. These are expensive programs uh, to, to implement. Every day counts when you've got a large implementation team. So making sure you've got a realistic level of contingency um, in your budget is always a good thing. Um, and then hopefully you won't go too far wrong. That's all we have time for today. I want to thank Becky Woodman-C from Whitbread for joining us at the Workday podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast. I'm Steve Dunn, and thanks for listening.